Hello, friends, and welcome to Sleep Tight Stories. This story is about the coming of winter and the birds heading south. How do they know when to go? And how do they know where to go? The younger birds ask these questions to the older, wiser birds before they leave. The Travelers Go South One night, a maple tree, the very one under which Mr. Red Squirrel sat when he first came to the forest, dreamed of her winter resting time. And when she awakened early in the morning, she found that her leaves were turning yellow. They were not all brightly colored, but on each was an edging, or a tip, or a splash of gold. You may be sure that the forest people noticed it at once. I told you so, chirped a robin to her mate. The orioles went long ago, and the bobolinks start today. We must think about our trip to the south. When she said this, she hopped restlessly from twig to twig with an air of being exceedingly busy. Her husband did not answer, but began to arrange his new coat of feathers. Perhaps he was used to her fussy ways and thought it just as well to keep still. He knew that none of the robins would start south until the winter became much colder, and he did not think it necessary to talk about it yet. Perhaps, too, Mr. Robin was a little difficult and was all the more slow and quiet because his wife was uneasy. In that case, one could hardly blame her for talking over the family plans with the neighbors. Later in the day, a bobolink came up from the marsh to say goodbye. He had on his traveling suit of striped brown, and you would never have known him for the same jolly fellow who during the spring and early summer wore black and buff and sang so heartily and sweetly. Now, he did not sing at all and slipped silently from bush to bush, only speaking when he had to. He was a good fellow and everyone felt sad to have him go. Mrs. Cowbird came up while they were talking. Now that she did not care to lay any more eggs, the other birds were quite friendly with her. They began to talk over the summer that has passed and said how nicely the young birds were coming on. The morning doves were there with their young son and daughter, and you could see by looking at them that they were an affectionate family. We shall be the last to go south, they cooed. We always mean to come north in the very early spring and stay as late as possible. 
This year we came much later than usual, but it could not be helped. They had spoken so before, and rather sadly. It was said that they could tell a sorrowful story if they would, but they did not wish to sadden others by it, and bore their troubles together bravely and lovingly. How do the new feathers work? asked a crow, lying up at this minute and looking blacker than ever in his fall coat. Then all the birds began to talk about dress. As soon as their broods were raised, you know, their feathers had begun to drop out, and they had kept on molting until all of the old ones were gone and the new ones were on. When birds are molting, they never feel well. And when it is over, they are both happy and proud. I changed later than usual this year, said the crow, and I feel that I am wearing the very latest fashions. This was a joke which he must have picked up among the barnyard people, and nobody knows where they got it. Fashions never change in the forest. I think, remarked a red-headed woodpecker, that I have the best wing feathers now that I ever had. They seem to be a little longer, and they hook together so well. I almost wish I were going south to try them on a long journey. Mr. Woodpecker's wing feathers are certainly excellent, said his wife, who was always glad to see him well-dressed. I am sure that the strongest wind will never part them. I don't see how the owl can stand it to wear their feathers unhooked so that some of the air passes through their wings each time they flap them. It must make flying hard. Well, if you were an owl, you would understand, chuckled the crow. If their great wings were like ours, the noise of their flying would scare every creature within hearing. And so they chatted on, while from the meadow came the sound of the happy insects pipping in the sunshine. It was chilly now at night and in the early morning, and they could only give concerts at noontime. The next day, the wild turkeys came, and there was great excitement in the forest. The squirrels were busier than ever storing up all the acorns that they could before the newcomers reached the oak trees. And the blue jays were so jealous of the turkeys that they overate every day for fear there would not be enough to go around, as if that could ever happen. The groundhog was getting so sleepy now that he would doze off while people were talking to him, and then he would suddenly straighten up and say, Yes, yes, yes. Don't think that I was asleep, please. The colors of the trees are so bright that they tire my eyes, and I sometimes close them. 
The dear old fellow really never knew how he had been nodding. The snakes, too, were growing dull and slowing down, while the bats talked freely of hanging themselves up for the winter. The grouse and quail made daily trips to the edges of the grain fields and found rich picking among the stubble. You could almost fancy that they came home each night fatter than when they went away in the morning. Life went on in this way for many days, and the birds had all stopped singing. There were no more happy concerts at sunrise and no more carols in the evening. Only chirpings and twitterings as the feathered people hopped restlessly from one perch to another. All could see that they were busily thinking and had no time for music. The truth was that each bird who was not to spend the winter in the forest felt as though something were drawing, drawing, drawing them southward. It was something they could not see or hear, and yet it was drawing, drawing, drawing all day and all night. They spoke of it often to each other, and the older birds told the young ones how, before long, they would all start south and fly over land and water until they reached their winter home. How do we know where to go? asked the children. All that you have to do, the older ones said, is to follow us. And how do you know? they asked. Why, we have been there before, they answered, and we can see the places over which we pass. But perhaps that is not the real reason, for sometimes we fly over such great stretches of water that we can see nothing else, and it all looks alike. Then we cannot see which way to go, but still we feel that we are drawn south, and we only have to think about that and fly onward. The fathers and sons always reach there first. The mothers and daughters come a few days later. We never make a mistake. It is wonderful, wonderful, thought a young rabbit on the grass below. I must watch them when they go. The very next morning, the forest people awakened to find a silvery frost on the grass and feel the still air stirred by the soft dropping of damp red, brown, and yellow leaves from the trees. Over the river and all the lowland near it hung a heavy veil of white mist. It is time, whispered the robins to each other. It is time, cooed the morning doves. It is time, cried the cowbirds in their hoarse voices. 
All through the forest, there was restlessness and quiet haste. The Juncos had already come from the cold Northland and were resting from their long flight. The groundhogs, the rabbits, and the squirrels were out to say goodbye. The owls peeped from their hollow trees, shading their eyes from the strong light of the sun. And then the travelers went. The robins started in family parties. The morning doves slipped quietly away. The cowbirds went in dashing crowds. And the crows, after much talking and disputing on the treetops, took a noisy farewell of the few members of the flock who were to remain behind. And joining other flocks from the north, flew off in a great company which darkened the sky and caused a shadow to pass over the stubble field, almost like that of a summer cloud. They're gone, sighed the groundhog and his wife. We shall miss them sadly. Well, we can dream about them, and that will be a comfort. Jay, Jay, shrieked a handsome crested fellow from the tree above. What if they are gone? They will be back in the spring, and we will have plenty to eat. What is the use of feeling sad? Jay, Jay! Not everyone felt the same as the Blue Jays. The songbirds had made many loving friends who missed them and longed for their return when the weather grew warm again. And that is the end of our story. Good night, sleep tight.